Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here, and today I am joined by Saeed Dalabani, who has written a book called Memonomics, The Next Generation Economic System. And I must say that this is a book that I've been waiting for, because this is a book that explains economics through the prism of cultural evolution. And, you know, we talk about politics, we talk about religion, we talk about culture, but economics is its own thing and, and often loses me. So welcome, Saeed. I'm very happy to be speaking with you today. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Now, Saeed, you have been a real estate developer and you're the founder of the Memonomics Group, which is a consultancy that advises corporations, the media, government on economics as seen through the lens of cultural evolution. You've worked with Don Beck, Spiral Dynamics. Uh, you're married to Elsa Malud. So you know your way around integral, spiral dynamics, cultural evolution. And thank you for finally putting economics in this uh, framework because it really does help me to understand not only the history of economics, but where we're going. So just to bring our listeners up to speed, maybe you could start by just giving us an overview of memonomics and really what you're all about here. Yeah, thanks for the kind introduction, Jeff. Uh, uh, I started working with the uh, value systems framework, as you just mentioned, with uh, Don Beck and uh, my wife, Elsa, who uh, back in 2002, I believe, uh, they started the Center for Human Emergence Middle East. And at the time, I was still in my old profession, building homes in the, uh, in the Phoenix area in Arizona. Uh, I played more of a supporting role uh, to the Center for Human Emergence Middle East uh, while I was really still learning the, uh, the spiral dynamics integral uh, framework. And uh, then uh, one day uh, in 2006, I believe, I'm sorry, 2008, uh, right uh, in one of the spring trainings that uh, uh, Dr. Beck was conducting, he, he asked me to speak about the mimetic causes of the housing crises, and uh, I did a presentation about what I thought was causing it, you know, the, the different interactions between the different uh, value systems, the, the toxic orange value system that uh, had reached uh, uh, collapse stages at the time and how it interacted with a, with a weak uh, blue system, the, 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 the regulatory structure that was non-existent that should have regulated banking at the time. And so uh, pretty much by the end of the uh, presentation, Don asked me if I was still uh, building homes, and I said, not really, not unless I want to make a loss. And he said, well, good, uh, drop everything you're doing and, and write a book about this. And so, um, you know, five years later, uh, five years of uh, presentations and uh, lots of research, uh, I came up with, uh, with the book Memonomics. Uh, so, so basically, the, the, the concept uh, or the framework, Jeff, uh, uh, I mean, you said it in your introduction uh, perfectly. Uh, it is the placement of economic activity, everything that has to do with economic activity into an evolutionary framework that determines who benefits from the current economic policies and who gets left behind. And it is sort of like a new approach to viewing things in a sense that it doesn't get lost in the details of those highly complex orange concepts of 
uh, economic theory, you know, economic schools of thought. It doesn't get caught in any of those. It just b basically gives you the, the, the value system perspective. Is an, a particular school of thought providing prosperity or a good living to the majority of the culture? And if not, why? And what are its fault lines? What are its limitations? What, how do you make it emerge? How do you make it more conscious? And so this was really the basis that started me uh, uh, on my uh, journey to, to research the subject and write a book about it. So Saeed, in, in your book, you uh, give a great uh, exposition of the history of economic systems. And, and, uh, and you bring us right up until today, and of course the meltdown of 2008, which we're still recovering from, still dealing with, and actually the mimetic shift in that uh, meltdown, and then also what's forming, what's to come. But to get us started, why don't you just walk us through the history of economic systems quickly, and then we'll look at today and what's happening now and where we might be going. Sure. Um, uh, one thing that I do in my framework, Jeff, is that I reframe economic history through what I call mnemonomic cycles, or the concept of mnemonomic cycles. Uh, now, mnemonomic cycles are different than economic cycles in the sense that an economic cycle usually uh, lasts anywhere from two to five years, where a, a, a mnemonomic cycle actually lasts an entire era. It is the period of time to the extent of which life conditions are informed by the prevailing values of the culture. And so through that reframing, uh, I've come up with uh, three different mnemonic cycles that the United States has uh, been through uh, since the end of the Civil War. The, uh, the first cycle uh, that lasted from the end of the Civil War till about the middle of the uh, Great Depression uh, was the cycle that I call the, the fiefdoms of power cycle. Uh, this is uh, the, the red third level value system uh, where uh, a few men uh, build the economy, where it's you know, that, that, that expression of, of heroism, that, that expression of, of really feudal and egocentric values of the Carnegies, of the, uh, uh, the Rockefellers, of uh, the Morgans who, who build an entire economy for an entire nation. So as, we, as the values of that system begin to die, we enter that period of paradigm shift during those, those 10, 12 years that we suffered through the Great Depression in order for a new paradigm with higher values to emerge. And that higher value paradigm or cycle, if you will, was what I call the, uh, the patriotic prosperity cycle. Uh, and that cycle in particular corresponds to the uh, blue uh, level system in the spiral dynamics integral framework. That is the system of the one true way, system that uh, really build the institutions that we still know till this day. It build the uh, SEC for what it is, the FDIC. Most of the institutions that, are, that, that, that run our economy are still a part of, uh, that are still a part of the economy today were built during that patriotic prosperity era that sort of started coming to an end as it became uh, too burdensome for the capital system to deal with because of, its, uh, uh, because of its heavy emphasis on regulation, taxation, 
You know, in the late 60s, we, the highest tax bracket in this country was 72%. Uh, you know, those kinds of values that, 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 um, uh, um, that, that spread that, that meme that government knew best uh, sort of became, became calcified and started to die off. So out of that system, we enter a new and higher uh, paradigm, uh, and that is the, uh, the cycle that I call the uh, only money matters cycle, which saw its birth uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, and moved into full manifestation of values with uh, the Reagan administration. You know, uh, Reagan <laughs> takes office and declares that, you know, uh, uh, government is the enemy of business, and business sort of takes the, 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 the helm of driving our economy without any regulation. Uh, and, you know, towards the end of that cycle, which we're experiencing now, uh, government becomes completely impotent by design. We, we can't regulate anything, uh, even if we try, you know, with all the regulation, uh, to, or with all the attempts to, de to, to re-regulate uh, finance. Uh, the only piece of legislation that made it out of the financial crisis is being attacked left and right today by uh, by Wall Street, and that's not uh, that's indicative of, of how weak the the fourth level system, the, the the regulatory structures have become in this country as we emerge into higher values. So that that only money matters uh, uh, cycle, Jeff, is what is defined our economy for the last three decades or so, and we're at the decline and entropy phase of that as we enter the new cycle that is being defined really by the virtues of the internet and the knowledge economy, by a cycle I call the democratization of information cycle that is really beginning to level any asymmetries created by the, the system before it. And as we emerge into it, we're beginning to see uh, much more values that are based on uh, humanitarian and egalitarian uh, virtues, uh, you know, uh, all the qualities that are proprietary to that sixth level value system is the green system. And so we emerge from that and then out of that we enter Sometime in the future, we enter the second tier of values, which is the yellow system, and, I, and you know, and a good part of my book designs an economy from that system on. Right. So, for those of us who are students of developmental theory, you basically walked us up the developmental path of human evolution. Now, you didn't talk about necessarily beige, which is subsistence, and purple, which is tribal, but you begin at the Civil War and through the uh, 30s, which is the red, and that's the, you know, basically the fiefdoms. These are J.P. Morgan, Carnegie Mellon, these guys. And then the Great Depression brought in blue, which was the ascendance of regulation, taxation, basically an ascendance of government at blue. And then that took us through, I guess, the Reagan era, and then Reagan began the, uh, the, the, the emergence of the orange system, which was uh, you call the only money matters. And that system ended, uh, and I love how you put it. It's the beginning of your book. It's very uh, uh, sort of dramatic. 
and it's the um, uh, congressional uh, interrogation span, who is, of course, the epitome of the orange only money matters system. He was the uh, chief of the Fed for so many years. And you talked about the um, uh, congressional hearings with uh, Alan Greenspan, where he, and I love what you talked about with Alan Greenspan, was the Ayn Rand disciple, who actually had Ayn Rand at his confirmation in the Oval Office with, when he was the, in the Council of Economic Advisors for Jerry Ford. I didn't know that. That's interesting. And so at, at this, in 2008, Alan Greenspan sort of basically said, hey, I'm surprised by this too. I thought that self-interest was going to you know, carry the day. Clearly it hasn't. So it's just, what is that? That's you know, not that long ago, five, six years ago, marks a very dramatic ending of that orange thinking. And we're in that transition now from orange to green. Am, am, am I saying that right? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Jeff. You, you hit the nail on the head. And it just what you just described uh, now uh, shows the evolutionary nature of, of uh, the, the context in which I, I put economics. The orange values were needed as a transition out of a burdening uh, blue system of the uh, late 60s on to the 70s. Uh, we got to a point where blue was so burdensome that... With regulation, taxation, that sort of thing. Right, that foreign competition was... Uh, beating us left and right. Uh, you know, the, the burden of unions in the auto industry were forcing us really not to make cars that were c competitive with the Germans and the Japanese. So in a sense, the orange system of empowering individuals was needed for that time. Uh, uh, you know, the, the early 80s was the time for individual empowerment. But if you think that that's going to last, uh, as, as the rest of culture evolves, uh, you, you're wrong in that premise. And this is what the book shows, is that uh, an ideology that might have been correct for the early 80s was completely out of touch with where life conditions were in 2008. Uh, you just right. cannot persist with uh, values from same policies and ideologies that were good in the, in the, in the 80s and uh, presume that they're going to be frozen in time as you go forward uh, uh, three or four decades. So uh, by the time the system came to, to collapse under, uh, you know, under the guidance of uh, Alan Greenspan, of course it had shifted so far from its original base that it became toxic and because we put into place the system that regarded blue as, a, uh, uh, as the enemy of business, we were no longer able to detect whether that system was moving in the right direction or not. So by the time the financial crisis hit, uh, no one in government had a clue as to the depth of this whole matter. So uh, you get uh, Hank Paulson go up in front of uh, Congress and beg for money, and uh, our Congress, not knowing any better, uh, gave them a blank check to bail out banks that went back to the gambling table and continued the same 
behavior they had before. That is, uh, th that became a meme that was embedded in the culture to the point that we were, we're seeing that now. We're seeing that five years after the bailout, nothing really has changed. As a matter of fact, the only thing that has changed is, an, is, a, is a negative thing, and that is the disparity between the rich and the poor has gotten larger. The, the money right. that the banks took, they put it into their own coffers to, to balance off the risk that they had what was remaining on their books. So the system is going now through that entropy stage that I talk about uh, in, the, uh, in the phases of that memonomic cycle as we see the rise of the knowledge economy being the bright horizon in the future. Right. So we are, so in 2008 marks the beginning of the end, you might say, of the orange, of the ascendancy of money phase. And then we move into the democratization. No, no, we move into, yes, the democratization of information cycle, which is green. And we're still in that transition now, right? Yes, yes, we, we're very much in that transition. How do you see Obama, uh, particularly how do you see Obamacare as being fitting into this scenario? Yeah. You know, Jeff, I, I wrote an article to the Huffington Post about uh, the nature of this framework. And, uh, you know, towards the end, I say that the system, you know, uh, for those of you, uh, for, for your listeners who are familiar with the, with the framework, the, the, the nature of this uh, uh, theory is that culture emerges from individualistic values to communal values, and then it switches back to individual values, and then as individual values collapse the system, it moves back towards communal values. And as those communal values, you know, the, the, the group behavior and the, the burden of that, you know, group conformity, as that burdens the system, the system moves back towards individualistic uh, values. What we're seeing now is a shift away from that individualistic system that caused the collapse of world economies back to a, a system of communal values that has to have the taking care of our less fortunate. It has to have uh, the, the, the sense of uh, someone is going to take care of me because it, it, it has been painted clearly that orange simply cannot do it. If you right. leave orange to its own devices it will it will it will cause further and further uh, 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 polarization in cultural values you have to have those swings back to a communal system which you're experiencing now which Obamacare is part and parcel of you know so right. it's a return to what the uh, you know, FDR years introduced the, the notion that, you know, a culture has to take care of its less fortunate people in order for us to move forward. It is really, it becomes a, a, a standard of care issue as a culture, Jeff. So, you know, uh, the, we're leaving behind the, 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 the individualistic uh, values of the orange system and we're including into them a new level of, uh, of communal uh, values, the uh, values that give us the sense of responsibility uh, towards our less fortunate uh, members of our society. And that is just the nature of the framework. So we will continue yeah. to evolve into that system. But the good thing about 
the current manifestation of the green system, Jeff, is that it's manifesting through the knowledge economy. It is manifesting through commerce. Uh, and I use the example of many of the internet companies, many of the knowledge-based uh, uh, industries that, uh, that are causing disruption to the orange uh, traditional corporations, and they have absolutely no clue on how to deal with it. You know, the, the, the prime example that I give in my book is uh, what's happening to the publishing industry. You know, two decades ago, all you had to do was publish a book, and bookstores uh, thrived on, on, uh, on you know, being a, a physical place where people go and read and buy books. Well, that's no longer the case. You know, publishing is completely being transformed, and it is a system that allows someone like me to publish without having that, to, to, to abide to that hierarchy that existed 20 years ago. You know, education, higher education is another example. So, so the, the knowledge economy is causing disruption, uh, uh, really one of the greatest uh, forms of disruption the capitalist system has ever seen. And that's a representative of, of what, the, what the coming values are going to be. Right. And then also the sort of new cachet that we see with the discussion about income inequality and minimum wage, extending the... Uh, unemployment benefits and so forth. This is right on schedule, you would say, as the more green thinking reemerges or emerges for actually for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, issues with uh, with with higher wages. Uh, that is uh, something that uh, I still cannot reconcile in my own mind. Uh, how can an investment banker be bringing home? Uh, tens of millions of dollars a year uh, pursuing non-productive pursuits yeah. uh, and be rewarded that high while someone who struggles, you know, with, you know, a, a divorced mother and two kids at home. Uh, th th there has to be a sense of balance in that. You, you, you know, you, uh, you, you can't uh, uh, assume that everybody has uh, the same uh, uh, access to uh, to money and opportunities, and that the you know the individualistic people uh, in, in in you know in, in traditional uh, orange industries, especially investment banking and, and and everyone else, that really control how our Congress has been behaving. You you can't think that those people are going to dictate how the rest of culture uh, uh, emerges on a minimum wage that doesn't allow them to even get by uh, compared to what, what cost of living was uh, just 10 years ago. It's just the, the disparity is getting bigger, and it's time for those green values to set in and exert pressure on the political system to say, you know, uh, fair is fair. Uh, uh, right. No one can live on $7 an hour or $8 an hour. Right. So we're actually seeing as this new system emerges, this new green system, that income inequality is going to have traction politically. You know, Obama talks about it. Certainly the Democrats talk about it. I see yesterday that six Republican senators voted for extending unemployment benefits. You know, it just makes sense. It's just what you said, Saeed. I mean, when you see investment bankers making tens of millions of dollars doing non-productive work, actually, and then people who are actually, you know, getting on the bus and going to work and working their butts off, and they're making, what, seven twenty-five an hour? There's something about it that is immoral. And that just, 
arises in the culture, so that moves us into this green system. Now, what's interesting about your book and memonomics is that you make the case that the green system itself is itself unsustainable and that we have to move beyond that. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Well, uh, that's, again, Jeff, that's just the nature of the theory uh, because, uh, as you know, and as, uh, you know, both uh, Don Beck and and Ken Wilber both have uh, mentioned before uh, about the values of that uh, green system, uh, they often uh, refer to it as the the mean green meme. In spite of all its uh, good qualities that are essentially needed now, uh, it still views uh, as egalitarianism and humanitarianism as the highest uh, virtues uh, that humanity can attain. Uh, well, to, to an extent, uh, I agree with that. I agree that the you know after all we're all human and we have to 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 associate with each other through 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 uh, you know the human connection, but. Uh, Egalitarianism in a complex world is a fallacy that is not a utopian place. Uh, you treat the Taliban as equal, and you're assured of destruction. You know, the Taliban is is not a, an equal system. But in, in a Western culture, other factors come in. In order for us to address emergence in the right way, uh, we can't really deal with that unhealthy red system from the green system. Uh, we have to go up to the yellow system where it is a functional, higher consciousness, integrative system that sees people in that value system for, for what they are. Um, in a sense, it will, it will identify the blockages that have caused the system to become toxic. It identifies... Uh, the toxicity that is inherent in a dysfunctional blue system that is inherent in a dysfunctional uh, orange system, and then it designs for all of it uh, in a, what I call a, uh, a functional flow. The last third of my book uh, focuses on the platform for functional capitalism. What I just described is a system designed from from the yellow level that really plugs the healthy values of all those uh, memonomic cycles that we talked about earlier, plugs them onto a functional flow to ensure that the majority of the culture is benefiting from uh, economic policy, you know, the the way economic policy is set. Uh, So not only would economic policy set from yellow benefit orange, it will stop the orange system from being beholden to just financial innovation. It will empower it to, you know, reintroduce or empower manufacturing that is coming back to this country and allow it to find capital sources for it. It will empower the blue system and make it what I call a functional smart blue system. Uh, It will empower red and really make it you know, uh, empower those heroic values that uh, that are that are you know part of that risk-taking system that that makes the the capitalist system so unique. You know, so that's what I'm talking about when we're coming from the yellow system on this. Yeah. The green is definitely 
really needed. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have to be in the throes of the green value system, at least from an economics perspective, for the next few decades. We have to heal the damage that a, a out-of-control orange system has caused, but then that can't be the end result. We will have to emerge from green onto yellow. And uh, generally, Jeff, the, uh, the, the capitalist system is an individualistic value system, uh, meaning that it hopscotches through the cool colors. So it is an uh, individualistic system that goes from uh, red, it quickly transitions through blue, then it spends time in orange, it quickly transitions through green, and then it spends time in yellow. Hmm. And uh, hopefully... Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah and what you're talking about when you talk about the, the emerging yellow system, the system that is emerging out of green, of course, in Ken Wilber's altitudes, this is teal, uh, and teal, we're getting into the integral. We're basically getting into the first of the second tier systems. And as you say, just basic integral theory would tell us that the integral systems would include the best of all the previous systems. So there is a sense of egalitarianism from green. There's a sense of individual excellence and, you know, uh, making money and all of the good stuff that comes out of orange. There's a sense of community and propriety and dignity that comes out of blue. And there's even a sense of raw power that comes out of red. And we could even go back and talk about sort of the tribal and the magical and the, you know, all of that good stuff from the earlier systems. But that's what the basic theory tells us about what's emerging and I love in your book that you, you actually get into this. I mean, you know, what this next system is going to look like. And you use a couple examples. You use Google. You use Whole Foods. And, uh, of course, these are businesses that most of us know about. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about what this new emerging second-tier integral economy is going to look like? Uh, well, Jeff, as you know, the, the, the framework, be it just integral theory or, or just spiral dynamics integral, it proposes that uh, as you transcend the values of one system, you include it in the next system. So it is a transcend and include. It's not just transcend. So that's an important yeah. uh, point to me, uh, I think, in a sense by really capturing the essence of that, you see where the functionality in the system is as you move into those yellow second-tier values. The thing that I uh, observed uh, the most, Jeff, while I was doing the research for my book and, and you know, and the, the period of three years writing the book, I, that I realized that our, our government has really become very ineffective. And so uh, at the core of this platform for functional capitalism, the first thing, the first thing I call for is a smart government a government designed from the, you know, I call it smart blue, but it really is a way to move government from the uh, arrested, ineffective form that it's taken over the last, uh, you know, uh, couple of decades or so to a more functional form of government. You, you speak to any constitutional scholar today and they tell you that this is no longer a government for the people. Uh, we have become a government uh, that caters to lobbyists and special interests. And so government has to move 
to a functional yellow form of government. And we're beginning to see a lot of that. Actually, not a lot, but the people who, who exhibit those yellow values, uh, Jeff, are, are highly visible in Washington. You take the example of Elizabeth Warren, the, the, you know, the, the senator from Massachusetts. I mean, she's, you know, clearly she is a yellow thinker. She sees right through the incompetence of the existing blue system and after, you know, after regulators testify on Capitol Hill for, for days, uh, her answer is, so you were too incompetent to see what the bankers were doing. And, and, and they're, they're awestruck in, in, in how she's able to see right through them and their inability to regulate. You know, and she, she also, you know, after, reg, after bankers are up on, on, on Capitol Hill testifying, uh, you know, at the end of their testimony, she says, so you knew it was borderline legal, but you did it anyway. And there's no better way to embarrass Orange than, than, than from someone who is not beholden to the Orange system. Someone who uh, knows that government has to be smarter than Orange. It still has to facilitate Orange healthy pursuits, but it has to be it has to do it from a yellow system that is smarter than orange and knows what's best for the entire system, instead of the current system that is in place uh, that only facilitates the corporations and uh, and the wealthy. Okay, so that's at the heart of the platform. The first pillar, if you will, of the functional. Uh, the capitalism platform is really moving the knowledge economy from its current green values to make them more of integrative functional values of that seventh level system. And so we need to move from that democratization of information system to the functionalization of knowledge. So there's quite a shift there. You know, big data is just nothing but a, but a blob of information out there. We need uh, new visionaries who, who are members of that seventh level system that see the values in functionalizing knowledge the right way. The second pillar to this is, and I talk about it in an entire chapter, is uh, redefining um, the, uh, the current uh, monetary systems that we have. Uh, and, uh, you know, we start with the issue of central banking. Uh, central banking at this point uh, is really one of the uh, most uh, concentrated powers in Washington. And that needs to go back to a system similar to the one that we had um, in the late 60s, early 70s, where uh, economists from each economic sector report to the central bank on what the challenges of their industries are, what their capital requirements are, what barriers to entry are, why, you know, why high rates of defaults are, uh, are so uh, prevalent, you know, things of that nature. You know, the differentiation of the challenges that each industry faces. We have to go back to that with the knowledge economy the way, the way it is and the way it delivers information, you know, this is a far better, far more efficient system than the one we had in the 70s uh, in a sense that it would report this information back and, and, and really redefine uh, the Federal Reserve for what it is today, which is an agency that, that, that just prints money and, and, and uh, sets interest rates and, uh, and, 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 and really uh, uh, functions that have become so uh, blatantly easy to manipulate 
that it has to have a, a, a better, uh, more complex way of, of dealing with the economic future. Uh, the other concept that I discuss under this uh, chapter is the, uh, the redef redefinition of currency. There seems to be a lot of talk about local currency and uh, you know things like bitcoins and things of that nature. Well, uh, you know, I call for um, something I call a uh, the creation of an index of human productive output. Uh, in a sense that you know, local, local currencies work, and that's great. I mean, you know, we have them here locally. I'm sure every community has, you know, they printed, uh, you know, pieces of paper they can use for an exchange instead of, uh, you know, their local bucks, so to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. You can have that. Every every uh, every economy in the world can have those kinds of things. Those are good for local merchant trade, but. But what do you do with the more complex systems of determining, you know, global productive output and things of that nature? And for that, I call for uh, for the creation of the index of human productive output. And what that simply is, Jeff, is that human productive pursuits are brought back front and center to what economics is all about. It basically says that if you have a factory total output does not represent human productive output. It will represent some of it. It will contribute some to that in index, but at the heart of that model is the actual contribution of human productivity. And it, you know, it's not a green system in the sense that it treats everybody equally. It will still uh, allocate more units of that productive output to a doctor more than it would a nurse, you know, to an engineer more than it would a, uh, a construction worker and so forth. And you take the total index of that and you base the new measure of whatever's going to replace GDP with that index of human productive output. That is really a, a yellow currency that does not require a lot of changes from the current systems that, they, uh, that are in place now. It just makes the measuring mechanism more functional. Uh, and the last item on this uh, financial uh, thing, I know uh, finance doesn't usually attract the attention of a lot of people, but the last item on this is, is really redefining capital markets. Uh, capital markets, their initial intent was to, um, to provide uh, funding for expansion of business. They need to go back to doing that. Uh, the last time I checked, uh, most of Wall Street's uh, activities were still non-productive pursuits. It was still those derivatives and, and you know, and the casino economy that they've gotten used to. Uh, although with a global recession, those, those opportunities are, are uh, disappearing by the minute for them. They're still pursuing non-productive uh, pursuits. Well, you know, you need a, a, a smart government in place, a smart, you know, Securities and Exchange Commission that will say, well, great, if you want to pursue those non-productive pursuits, we're going to tax you at considerably higher rates than we would productive pursuits. And we will take that tax money and we will create programs that would lend money to new businesses, that will lend money to the entrepreneurs who are informed from the emerging values of the future. And that's really, you know, the, the, the gist of how a new financial system would work based on the... Um, uh, on the values of the seventh level system of the of the, of the yellow integrities. Right. The the last pillar to this, and and we're seeing this uh, uh, manifest quite a bit, 
is the, uh, the, the return of the manufacturing to the West. Uh, you know, manufacturing is coming back to the States, Jeff, and it's, it's looking nothing like it did when it left just a few decades ago. You know, it's coming back. It is, uh, you know, this, this phenomenon of 3D printing. I don't know if you've, uh, you've seen it or if you've, you've heard about it. Uh, right, of it's, course. It's an, yeah, it's it's coming it's coming to a garage near you. You know, it's <laughs> it's the, the really the presents the, the 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 future distributed manufacturing model that is like the new uh, uh, the new factory. It, it basically is the size of a microwave, and with uh, you know anybody who's who who has the uh, uh, the inclination to be involved in it can download some kind of a, a you know a, a 3D computer aided design from the internet through you know subscription through you know whoever uh, affiliate manufacturer is you can you can manufacture these things in your own garage and you know sell them locally you know people are doing it with uh, you know doing fasteners and and things that could be sold at uh, hardware stores, uh, you know, coffee, things like that. I mean, this is just the beginning of that. I mentioned manufacturing because it really is uh, an area where we're not providing enough workers to satisfy the demand of the industry. Uh, last year alone, there were 600,000 jobs in manufacturing that went uh, unfulfilled. And the reason for that, Jeff, is that there hasn't been enough awareness in culture that we need to educate uh, a new generation in manufacturing. This is digital manufacturing. This is robotic manufacturing. It is green. It is clean. The you know the uh, our regulatory structures uh, are outdated. They're, you know there's no heavy lifting in this industry. It is it is done by someone who knows programming, not someone who's going to carry a forklift in uh, in a warehouse. It is done from behind the desk, and those are the kind of things that that the 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 entire culture as a whole has to become aware of. We have to create a new educational system that deals with educating kids in high school about this, uh, technical programs in community colleges, uh, engineering schools that are going to design for the easy access of, uh, to, to these systems for for kids who who you know who are going to represent still 60% of our society that doesn't have a college degree. Those people need good paying jobs in order for them to emerge into the middle class that is the thing that made this country so great. Well, this is the thing that actually sort of beflummoxes me, Saeed, because I think with robotics and automation and the information systems and so forth, do we really need to work like we have in the past? Is there going to be employment in the way that we have had it in the past where, you know, we show up for work and we work for eight hours a day or more. Is this unemployment that we are seeing today going to continue? What's the new paradigm here? How do we make a living? What's the new system for that? Yeah, yeah I'm laughing, Jeff, because that's the that's the million-dollar question. If, if I had a, a crystal ball, I can... I can uh, Give you uh, some answers, but but really, what you're talking about is that uh, that singularity that that uh, you know those futurists talk about. Uh, yeah. What's going to happen when when uh, artificial intelligence uh, meets and exceeds 
human intelligence? Uh, are we going to design our way out of jobs? And I would think that you might see some of that, but when it really comes to uh, seriously addressing the issue, when it becomes a threat to uh, the designers being the designers of the current system being replaced by machines that are going to design for us, you know, humanity is going to come together and say enough is enough. You know, where where are where do you set the limits for efficiency? You know, after all, we are humans and we are designing for the better lives of humanity, and there has to be a point of, uh, you know, a tipping point where going any further would create dysfunction and uh, 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 and disruption in a negative way. So I think right. uh, those those are many uh, of the questions that are going to have to be uh, uh, answered by uh, by really a coming together of, of stakeholders and having a serious discussion of what, what about what the future holds. Uh, we can't sit around not being productive. Um, right. And, and that's where things seem to be heading. You know, there there has to be a, a, a way to determine at, at what point does efficiency end, the human element becomes the driving force. Well, and, and and part of me is very sort of enthusiastic about that and excited about it because I think, okay, so maybe I don't have to show up at the assembly line and work for eight hours doing one widget into another widget. That's not necessarily a bad thing, that we lose that sort of human, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the human being has to be part of the assembly line in that manuf typical manufacturing mode. And maybe human beings are now involved in creativity and art and philosophy, and maybe there's a whole new economy that arises out of creativity that is more appropriate to the evolution of human consciousness and that our actual material needs are met by machines and by technology and information systems. It's hard for me to wrap my head around what that world looks like, but I notice in your book you talk about Google and Whole Foods as being exemplars of the, sort of the two roads forward yeah that we're looking at that are sort of plowing the, the new territory here. And, and, and maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, th that's the, uh, you know, I misspoke about uh, the manufacturing being the final leg uh, uh, of, the, of that platform. The final leg of the, uh, of the platform for functional capitalism is really defining sustainability uh, or corporate sustainability through the value systems framework. Uh, and this is what I talk about in the in the last chapter in the book, Jeff, uh, regarding uh, the movement from stockholders to stakeholders in what the future of corporate purpose or corporate philosophy is. And uh, you know, I, I talk about the the, the two uh, distinct models that are emerging uh, about uh, seventh level values in corporations. And and the first is Google. Uh, that is uh, creating disruption uh, really uh, with anything that it touches. Uh, I talk a little bit about, uh, and I give the example of how uh, you know, it has uh, leveled off the playing field in the, uh, in the advertising industry and how you know, an ad executive on Madison Avenue you know, uh, 
decade and a half ago used to bring home a few million dollars. Well, that model is being transformed, and it's uh, instead of one executive getting that kind of money, it's going to about 30 different engineers at Google who are creating more disruption. And so, uh, so see, the old orange model doesn't know how to deal with that. Right. You know, if, uh, uh, and so, but, but, but Google holds the promise to be that yellow model. Uh, in a sense, it does those functional things in everything that it does. Uh, I uh, point to how they uh, went about uh, their uh, initial public offering. Uh, they didn't use the services um, of Wall Street bankers as much as a traditional IPO would. They preferred what's called a Dutch auction that allowed pretty much people like you and me to bid initially on their uh, on their stock. And as a result of that, their stock is about 11, maybe 1,200% higher today than it was at the initial public offering. And then you compare that to how Facebook went about their initial public offering, which was through the normal orange channel, uh, channels. Uh, and that IPO, uh, you know, compare the price of uh, Facebook stock to where it is today, it, it, it's less than uh, double what it was when it, when it was uh, first offered. So you, you're getting to see models that are functional that indicate how the future is going to go. And uh, the, the other model is the uh, conscious capitalism model that is uh, the model that Whole Foods follows. Uh, and that really, at its core, that shifts the traditional stockholder model to a stakeholder model. And in the process, really give this thing that we, you and I were talking about earlier, about, uh, you know, uh, do we all stop working and become philosophers? Well, if you look at the stakeholder model a little bit closer, it's no longer just stakeholders that are the primary beneficiary of the purpose of a corporation. The Whole Foods model, the, the conscious capitalism model, gives you a total of five stakeholders. The stockholder only being one, and then the customer actually being a second stakeholder, and then the, the employee, yet another stakeholder, and, and the employee at Whole Foods or, or at the uh, conscious capitalism uh, movement is the prime example of a great green system, Jeff. They, those are where those green values thrive, but at the same time, they remain an open system that fits into a, a corporation designed from yellow that holds them accountable to profits, holds them, you know, makes them competitive uh, in a sense that it provides transparency on how much everybody makes, that you know, it provides that, that extra individual push to succeed. But at the same time, it's a crew that decides whether the new hires stay on or not by a majority vote. And so that's a green system at its best. The, the other stakeholders in, in, the, in the conscious capitalism model, and especially the example of Whole Foods, that fourth stakeholder is the, the health of the food chain. So, so the suppliers and the health of the food chain itself. Now, traditionally, uh, these things uh, are paid secondary attention in the traditional model. Well, in the conscious capitalism model, uh, it's on equal footing with everyone else. With the, with the, Such with as the uh, welfare of the animals in the, the meat industry. 
of the, the farmers, of the truck drivers, of the whole system that is creating the product that we're buying, right? Right. You hit the nail on the head, Jeff. It is an ecosystem approach to how you do business. It is the health of everybody involved in the system that brings that lettuce to that shelf that, you, that the customer is looking at every, every morning. Uh, you know, and, and then the final, you know, the, the fifth element of that stakeholder is the, the, the health of the planet itself, which brings in that turquoise model, that eighth level of values that, that relies on, on the holistic interdependence of every living organism uh, on the planet. Uh, and so to be informed by these values and to have them being treated equally it's just a completely revolutionary model of what corporate uh, purpose is all about. Yeah, and it's pretty optimistic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. So you use um, Whole Foods and Google as examples of what's to come in the second-tier yellow teal systems. Uh, any, anybody else you're seeing out there, even I'm talking not just business necessarily, but in politics, who are you rooting for for the next president, for instance? Who are you looking at that's giving you some, um, some hope? I would love to see Elizabeth Warren uh, run for president. I don't know if it will happen. Uh, I don't know that there are a lot of uh, yellow uh, thinkers out there. You know, uh, Jeff, back when, uh, when Senator Obama at the time uh, announced that he was uh, running for president, uh, you know, uh, both Don Beck and I thought he definitely has uh, some yellow characteristics. But then whatever the qualifications of the individual uh, have to meet culture where it is. And so, you know, if anything, President Obama is at least a decade or so ahead of his time. He's meeting life conditions at the worst possible time so he could have been an ideal yellow leader, but life conditions were exiting a, a catastrophic phase of the orange system. And so he, you know, his leadership was, was really arrested by uh, where life conditions in society were. So I, I don't know that there are a lot of uh, uh, politicians out there that, 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 that are yellow. You know, my first thought is maybe uh, Bloomberg, the, the right. recently uh, retired mayor of New York City, definitely has a lot of uh, yellow thinking in, in, his, uh, in the way he thinks. There are a few politicians that are still uh, emerging, maybe Rand Paul, you know, still mm -hmm. uh, has to still define uh, a bit of his platform in order for it to take on more inclusive characteristics for it to be yellow. But really, I think the, the, the next president will be someone who will be a reaction to, to, the, to the Obama administration. Uh, I think uh, what the Obama administration tried to do was too quick, too soon, and that that pendulum in the first system uh, values is going to go the other way before we swing back into, uh, into a system that will put us in yellow. So I would say that either a moderate Republican who really acknowledges that we're beyond the values of the Reagan era and there's a mm -hmm. new way to redefine the Republican Party now that is inclusive of the minimum standard of care that I talked about that allows that system to swing back into the communal values. So, 
So, you know, someone who will uh, embrace Obamacare, maybe with a, a minor adjustments to it, someone who would embrace the idea that unfettered capitalism is not the, the definitive answer. So, so, so I think it'll be someone like that. I do, too. <laughs> it's always interesting to see how the world turns. But I think we know the trajectory and we yeah. can see the history and uh, your book really helps us to place ourselves in the historical moment and uh, see where we're at, see where we've been, see where we're going. And it really is a very, very helpful guide to the science of economics, which is so vexing to so many of us. It's very difficult to wrap our heads around. So, Saeed, I thank you so much for laying it out for us and explicating this in your book. And again, I'd say it's Memonomics, the next generation economic system. And for people who are interested, Saeed, where can they find out more about you and the work you're doing? I have a website. People can go to uh, memonomics.com. The book is available uh, in ebook and uh, online through, through major booksellers. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Jeff. This is uh, really like coming home to me, so thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Saeed. So again, Saeed Dalabani, author of Memonomics, The Next Generation Economic System, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll stay in touch and see how the world turns. Thank you. Thank you.